our week 11 talking points brought to you by Buskers on the Ball in Dublin's Temple Bar. You can check out Thursday Thanksgiving in Buskers on the Ball where Packers at Lions and Commanders at Cowboys are the two live games. Brian, I believe you're going with a few friends to enjoy the Thanksgiving action, the Turducken. You have a party of more than five, I assume. You had to... I do indeed, yeah. Invitation only, so you'll you'll be able to avail of the free finger food as well. And uh, no doubt a good night's football action in store for, for you and everyone who goes to Buskers on the Ball this Thursday for the Thanksgiving action. Well, in week 11, we had a Super Bowl rematch. We had a hotly contested divisional derby, two, in fact, in the AFC North. Uh, we had a something's got to give clash between the two teams with the longest active winning streaks in the league. And Tommy DeVito won a football game. Uh, Tommy DeVito dropping dimes against the commanders. But we start uh, with some news that uh, emerged today, which is that Matt Canada, probably the least surprising coaching move of the season, uh, has finally been sacked by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He probably would have got long odds on Ken Dorsey getting his marching orders before Matt Canada did, Colin. But that's what has happened. It's a case of blame Canada in Pittsburgh. So now we just await the offensive explosion as everything takes off uh, in the Steel City, right? All of a sudden, there is considerable pressure on Kenny Pickett and the rest of the offense because Matt Canada had become the lightning rod. He had taken all of the abuse. Um, But Kenny Pickett has thrown fewer touchdown passes over the past season and a half uh, than Davis Mills. Um, Davis Mills has attempted one pass, uh, one pass this year. Not a game, a pass. Um, he has thrown fewer uh, touchdowns than Matt Ryan, who retired at the end of last year and also played for the Colts last year. Uh, so it, it's going to be very interesting to see. I, it's a move that's, a, you know, the Steelers were loath to make. I think 19, I read 1941 was their last change uh, during the, the season when the part owner then uh, sacked himself, uh, which is kind of fitting for the Steelers that it was something uh, like that. Um, I I am interested to see if they can really now begin to what they'll do, right? Because uh, Tomlin tried to defend it uh, from the podium again. And I I think there's a wider point. We'll probably get into it a little bit more in, in some other areas, Connor. But I just, I keep going back to it. I wish for, I understand fans are going to be subjective when it comes to their teams. But what a head coach says, what a quarterback says, what anybody says publicly, and particularly from the podium, should be taken with a giant truckload of salt because they are spinning, they have narratives, uh, they're deflecting. None of it should be taken seriously. It's not real, it's all performative. Uh, and people tend to, you know, get into these incredibly heated arguments about it uh, on Twitter. And look, here we are a few days on and Matt Canada is gone. Yeah, we had a truckload of salt from Robert Sala as well on the Zach Wilson situation, which is something we might get into as well. Brian, for you, I mean, as Colin was alluding to there, you know, it, it's a case of did can, did can he pick it cost Matt Canada his job or did Matt Canada cost Matt Canada his job? It, it's kind of hard to know where one begins and the other one ends. Having been at the Steelers watch party over week over the weekend in Crow Park, great occasion that that was. You know, a, a lot of groans and, and teeth being gritted and, you know, Steelers fans, as we know, like, like, like any fans, really behind their team. There's a big constituency of Steelers fans here. There was lots of them in evidence 
in Dublin over the weekend, uh, and they were deeply, deeply frustrated. But that frustration wasn't all on the Blame Canada bandwagon. It's it's pointed at Kenny Pickett as well. Some Steelers fans which I speak to, and they feel they don't necessarily feel sorry for McCann because he felt he should have went to the end of last season as opposed to where, he, where he's gone at this stage of the season. But they feel that he's been restricted in his offensive ability to call a game because of the limitations that Kenny Pickett... Um, brings to the table and it was very evident again on Sunday in a way I'm surprised he's gone now because it's obviously over the course of the season because if you take the sample size from Sunday they're going up against arguably one of the best defences in the league and uh, you'd walk away from that game and go okay as bad as Kenny Pickett was he was up against a real difficult task in the sense he, he was never going to put huge numbers against that defence but obviously over the course of the season and Colin was right I mean Tomlin's was very defensive on Sunday and yeah here we are two days later and he's been released of his duties but uh, I think it's a combination of both I don't think most of his fans would truly, genuinely put out there that Kenny Pickett is the long-term answer. But um, maybe we'll see, they'll kind of, as you said earlier, maybe we'll see an explosion this weekend when they go into Cincinnati. I don't think it will happen. I think what we saw on Sunday from, for example, the Bills was probably, a, a, you know, from their perspective, they've got the players to, to be an offensive juggernaut. They just, they just couldn't put it together under the previous offensive coordinator already had and just someone saw it differently. But for the Steelers, it was, it's a strange thing. It's a strange move at this stage of the season for me. He probably should have been. He should never been there in the first place because they wanted him gone last offseason. But but it's hard to know though. You know what they do differently. Yeah, they run the wall reasonably well. Um, when when Pickens can be bothered, he's a very talented receiver. Deontay Johnson, we know what he can do. You know, they, it's not like they're devoid of of options around the quarterback. But I I don't think Matt Canada was keeping the playbook restricted because he just willingly or willfully wanted to play a certain way. It, it seems very clear that he felt the shackles were on him in terms of, as you both alluded to, the limitations that that, that, that Kenny Pickett brings with him. So you, you want a lot of creativity there to, to overcome that. Um, and again, you're relying on the Steelers to come up with the big takeaways, which they did again at the weekend. Not quite enough this time around. Um, but that still seems to be the, the pattern until somebody finds a way to break it. But the run game has been very effective in getting like the previous week against the Packers they went for nearly 200 yards a combined 200 yards of two players which is obviously Warren and Harris but it's the reliance on the run game you just touched on there like they're continuously having to revert back the run game was effective early on in the season when they were winning other games like what games could you would you genuinely say you know Kenny Pickett has won, won them the game the Ravens game there was a couple of passes towards the end and people were going oh look what Kenny Pickett did there that was very much a game that the Ravens is probably imploded. And you couldn't, there's no games over the course of the last two years that you could turn and say, that's the lightning bones moment where Kenny Pickett's going into the league. And you see that from quite a few quarterbacks over the course of their time, whether it's the fourth year or the second year. We haven't seen that at all in any game so far. And they would have done so like that's, you think back to that draft, he was the only one that went in the fourth round of the quarterback. He went to number 20. And people were talking about uh, Malik Willis potentially being a top pick. He didn't go to the third round in that. Draft. If Kenny Pickett had went in a later round, would the pressure have been as intense on him? And I don't think they did him any favors either by bringing in, with all due respect, Mr. Trubisky as the starter last year, because that was an, if, that was very evident. That wasn't that wasn't a long term solution. So he was going to quickly get his opportunity. They probably would have been best there playing him immediately last year, taking the bumps and bruises. He might be in a better spot now as opposed to where he is now. Anyway, meanwhile, in the land where no quarterback concerns exist, Colin, we had the uh, Super Bowl rematch at Arrowhead. Eagles took down the Chiefs, as, as all three of us predicted, I think Aiden too. In fact, we had a clean sweep for the for the Eagles, which is kind of, it's strange that we all felt confident enough to pick against the Chiefs at home. 
but indicative of the question marks that still exist in Kansas City after that game, um, where the Chiefs, to be fair to them, handled the Eagles for, for the most part, put in a really good performance, actually outgained the, the, the Eagles by over 100 yards. Uh, and yet, because Patrick Mahomes has only the players to throw to that Patrick Mahomes can throw to, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling let the game literally slip between his fingers. Yeah, um, and I suppose, I mean, for look, for the Eagles, they're going to point to the fact that they were on the road uh, to the Chiefs and that Andy Reid had had time to get things right. And ultimately, the Chiefs went, they had a double-digit lead and they couldn't get it done. And the, I suppose the concern is the fact that this is an ongoing issue. This is four games, I believe now, where they haven't scored points in the second half. So defenses are adjusting and defenses are, are taking away. They have one fourth quarter touchdown all this season, which is incredible when you consider the team that we're talking about, the reigning Super Bowl champions with Patrick Mahomes, one fourth quarter touchdown. Second fewest ha- second half points of any team in the league. Especially considering uh, the fact that, like, how important the fourth quarter is in general, and how important the fourth quarter has been this season. I mean, I think this season the witching hour on, on red zone has been crazier than ever before. And I, I saw something on Twitter. I didn't have time to look to to verify it, but the claim is, um, and and maybe uh, Brian, you can, can check this out that the Browns have scored more points than the Chiefs this year. Is, is this, uh, if I if I'm, uh, I might get a chance to, to look that up, but that would be another startling stat. And a, a test, I, I think, Connor, there is more to it than just the drops. The, the drops are so repeated. And also the fact that the running game, I mean, Pacheco, there's been some great memes over the past few days in relation to, to this and, Chiefs have 225 points. Browns have 227. You're quite right. I think there the Bears have more points as well. The Bears have outscored the Chiefs this season. No, no, don't take that the wrong way. I'm just throwing it out there. Come. Even the Bears. <laughs> Even the Bears. But that, I mean, look, the, the Bears have been, like, think about it. The Bears have been without, like, Justin Fields for, for a time. The Browns have had played, like, a QB hokey-cokey. So that is really it is concerning, right? Because we all kind of said they'll they'll figure out, they'll figure out, they'll figure it out. Um, well, we're coming up on December and they've yet to figure it out. Can they figure it out? Of course they can. But with each week that goes by, the concerns do raise. One thing I'm going to say, uh, two things, sorry, before, before I bring you in, Brian. In a funny way, and I was saying before this game, I wasn't impressed by what I saw in Frankfurt in, in particular and, and that second half performance against the Dolphins where, as you put a column, if the Dolphins showed a bit, bit more gumption, they would have won that game. Um, I still remain confident that the Chiefs will figure it out and that there's signs that they're, you know, the running game is going well for them. Their offensive line is probably the best offensive line that Patrick Mahomes has, has ever had. Um, and you give this guy opportunities, he's going to find ways to, to, to do the things that he does. Um, you know, last year we saw Sky Moore stepping up when, we need, when they needed him, Kadarius Tony stepping up when they needed him. You know, they were, they were getting the performances from the guys that they needed. There was one thing after the game that really struck me the way Mahomes stood up for Marquez Valdez-Scantling on the on the podium, I thought, was was a thing of beauty. Like, he had every excuse to throw him under the bus. And all I could think of was, that was Aaron Rodgers. It would have been all on Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Mahomes said, oh, maybe, 
this is a perfectly thrown ball. Like you can look at it a hundred times. Mahomes absolutely places it exactly where it needs to be. It's it's a terrible, terrible drop. Mahomes, one of the greatest quarterbacks that m- most of us have ever seen do it, says, oh, you know, maybe I could have placed the ball a little bit better. Like that's that's standing up for your guy. Like if I'm Marquez Valdez scanting, I'm going, I'm going to run through a wall. I'm going to do everything I can to make up for that between now and the end of the season. And I guarantee you at some point in the playoffs, Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to go off and he's going to pay that back. Like that's that's the kind of guy you want standing up for you in the locker room. Brian, sorry, I've, I've talked for long enough. Your thoughts on Eagles Chiefs? Uh, well, I just, I'll just close out what you're saying there. That's because Mahomes recognizes at some stage he's going to need Scantling again and he's going to need him to step up and he will step up. And I think he sees the bigger picture that they're one game out of the fourth seed. Now, looking at the schedule, and it's quite light in terms of what they have there. The Raiders, they've got the Patriots in there. All due respect to the Patriots right now. Um, they've got other winnable games, which is the Packers, Bengals, probably in Arrowhead, bearing in mind the, the struggles now they have with quarterback situation. There's a lot more winnable games for them coming up for them to get it right. And they're only one game out of the fourth seed. So he's probably recognizing the bigger picture is what it looks all to him with numerous second half performances. Um, it's. It's not against the Reds, but they still find a way to navigate the fourth seed. And that is crucial for, and like it really is crucial now the way the NFL is going to put this together. It's the only team that essentially gets the bye week. And if the Chiefs have to end up on the road, it, it could be a big a big difference factor come the playoffs. Um, I, when they were kicking the field goal before halftime, I watched the game very early this morning without knowing the score. So it popped into my head, which was the Eagles kicked the field goal just before halftime in the Super Bowl and went up by 10 points. And the Chiefs went up by 10 points. And I said to myself, I wonder if we're going to see kind of roles reversal in this in this game in terms of how dominant one team could be for large parts and yes they'll fo- still find themselves on the wrong, wrong end of the result and that's essentially how, how it played out I mean I thought also the turning point we talked about the Chiefs not scoring in the second half but the red zone turnover by Kelsey was for me that was the huge Black piece of the game yeah. because it looked like the potential could go back up by 10 points there with a touchdown if not to take a field goal and then you're reliant on the Eagles going 80 yards on a, on a drive 75 yards sorry and, and scoring essentially a touchdown and then you're also putting the game back in a situation where maybe a field goal wins as opposed to needing a touchdown at the end. So for me, that was the big piece. When is Kelsey going to come back to the party? Because we touched on earlier in the season, we joked about the whole Taylor Swift stuff and all the rest, and could that be a distraction? And I think Colin said it won't be a distraction because Andy Reid is well used to distractions and he finds ways to overcome these things. But he's not playing well. And he looks like a guy that's lost of his confidence. He wasn't in the game plan in in Frankfurt whatsoever. I think he only had two catches for like seven yards. I mean, Colin were talking about it on the day itself how poor it was in terms of they weren't even looking to get him in the game and it, they didn't get look to get him in the game for like Watson was the one coming up with the marquee catches you know as a tight end for the Chiefs I, I'd like to think at some sense Kelsey will come back but after the game again he didn't put it on anybody else but himself he goes he needs to play better he needs to get himself out better so they're saying all the right things let's see if, if it transpires that to get it back together now, we, we spent a long time on the Monday Night Football game talking about the team that lost the game. Colin, the Eagles won it. They've gone to 9-1 and one for the second season in a row. Uh, best record in the league. Uh, they now are in pole position in the NFC. And, you know, it seemed to me, despite a very difficult schedule that they've had thus far, certainly in comparison to what they had last season, odds on to get that, that number one seed and, and home field advantage for the playoffs. And you would be hard pushed to find a team that'll knock them off the, the way they're going at the moment. Like, yes made the point that the Chiefs outgained them and the Chiefs controlled a large part of that game, but we've said it repeatedly week in, week out, the Eagles find ways to win. That's what they do. Yeah, um, and they're they're brilliant at that. Now, look, there's a, still plenty of football to be played, but just in relation to, to Brian's point about Kelsey, 
Um, I, I do wonder if sometimes teams saw, and, and we did talk about this on the show, Steph, teams saw what the Broncos did against Kelsey in that second game in particular, where they just took him away and then the Chiefs had no uh, options and the Broncos finally get the win, uh, you know, after 16 attempts. And it, teams now realize if you take Kelsey out of it, right, if you're prepared to really go in on him, then the Mahomes doesn't have the options because he doesn't trust the other guys. And there's a reason he doesn't trust the other guys. And the Eagles have the, you know, the horses to to go with you. And they're just, again, it's the roster. And to me, this is where Howie is just so good because uh, we, we'll get to it. We're going to talk about the Jets. We're going to talk about charts. We're going to talk about others. I, like Howie looks to address issues when they happen. And he is forever trying to improve the team even during the season so he's looking to make trades he's looking to pick guys up he's always looking for that extra edge and that's what makes the Eagles so good I mean again you Jalen Carter trying to intercept Catch the uh, spike yeah that's just like I mean it's the thought of doing that like I go back to to me one of the beauties of Maradona's hand of God goal right is that he even thought of it most players like 99 players out of 100 would never even think, right? They like it, it's just they think yeah. differently, and, this and, and, and they're all playing heads up football. I mean, let, let's not overlook AJ Brown was absolutely robbed of a brilliant play when he did strip the ball from a player who hadn't been touched down and, and turned over the turnover. I've never seen that before. Like, that's a brilliant, brilliant play. The Mannings were losing their their collective SH1T in, in the Manning cast over Peyton Manning, literally said, That's the best play I've ever seen. It was chopped off by the referees, unfortunately. But Brian, as Colin was saying, that that's that's another example of of, of what keeps the Eagles where they are. And um, and you can't give enough credit, really, to to Nick Sirianni because lost both his coordinators, who are both doing creditable jobs in their respective uh, head coaching roles, which goes to show, you know, the brains trust that 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 has been um, taken away from from him in Philadelphia. And despite a little bit of teething problems, relatively speaking, um, they still seem to be rolling. Yeah, it kind of strikes me as what Colm said about another team in the NFC, the Vikings, early in the, in the season where they could have a better season and not as win as many games. And, okay, the Eagles' record is very much similar patterns to where they were last year, but they aren't playing at the level which we saw last year, offensively in particular. They're not putting up the huge numbers. Jalen Hurts last night was sacked time and time again. He's not getting out of pocket as easy as he was last year. Teams are combating against. But, yeah, here they are, 9-1, and, and more winnable games to come. And right now, it looks like they are like, okay, the Lions are having a fantastic season. I, I would like, I think it'd be a great fairy tale story for the Lions for to get everything run through Detroit in order to be in the bar in Vegas. But ultimately, it will, it will be the Eagles who claim the number one seed again. And it's hard to see any team going into Philly, you know, and form them all. But obviously, they've got to play the 14 runners yet to come. But right now, it's hard. Like, even last night, it's the nature to come back and winning that game last night and how that would kind of move them on to against with another level where they'll just take the sense that they're unbeatable against certain teams and, and when you're playing the number one arguably number one team in the AFC it's a huge huge boost and probably had a felt like they did a point to prove after the Super Bowl as well Yeah well I think like you said I think they're still playing well within themselves I think last season taught them exactly how they need to manage the season I think they're going to peak at the right time I think we'll see a different Eagles in, in the playoffs to be fair you see a different version of every team in the playoffs we know that but They've just got so much talent everywhere they needed to. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do when, uh, when the real season starts.